Good morning and happy Canada Day weekend. As we continue in our worship service, now we will be transitioning to a reading of God's Word. And our word for us today comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And to read God's Word for us is myself. So let us read God's Word together. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In last week's sermon, we learned that God has given different gifts to his body and called us to beautify his community by growing in the love, the grace, and the sweetness of Christ. And today, we're going to see how we are to grow and mature as a body of Christ. Now, in our text, Paul lays out two different kinds of communities that we can be. One that is spiritually immature and is easily influenced, or another that is growing in truth and love. In other words, the question we are to ask ourselves today is this. Are we, as Grace Toronto, are we a kind of community that conforms to culture or a community that conforms to Christ? These will be the two points that we'll be covering for today. Firstly, a community that conforms to culture. Paul writes, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves. He uses the comparison to children because children are quick to believe what they're told. They depend on others to help them make the conclusions for them. And in this way, they may be easily fooled or influenced. Because of that, they are tossed around by every wind of teaching that comes their way. This is what Paul writes. Now, one of my most memorable experiences in children's ministry growing up was going to the Wonderland wave pool because I almost died. <laughs> I got fooled by my friends to go into the wave pool even though I didn't know how to swim. They said that the waves were no biggie and I can just hold on to the ledge and slowly make my way to the deep end with them. But the moment the waves started and a really, really big one crashed into me, I lost all orientation and I went just completely under. And but the moment 
that happened, I also remember feeling completely helpless as I was just tossed back and forth between the cycle of waves. And it was so frightening how fast all of it happened the moment my hand slipped from that ledge. Because you see, when you slip, things tend to happen all at once. Whether you're in a wave pool, whether it's on uh, something that's spilled on the floor or on ice, that one piece of firm grounding that you had suddenly disappears. And before you know it, you lose all balance and you begin to fall. In our text today, Paul warns of this danger of slipping to the community of believers in Ephesus, that if they are not careful, they'll become easily influenced and and get tossed to and fro by the city's demands of conforming to its Greco-Roman culture. And in that time, there was a temptation to turn back to the city's goddess of Artemis. There was a pressure of participating in this imperial cult-like worship of its emperor. Or there was the danger of slipping to believing in all these false religious teachings of needing to keep these various food and drink laws, uh, keeping the festivals and the calendar celebrations to be considered a true Christian. And Paul is saying, don't be easily influenced as children are in this kind of setting. In other words, he's saying, do not be spiritually immature. Unable to stay rooted, unable to stay grounded in the fundamental doctrines of your faith and knowledge of Jesus in the midst of all the cultural pressures from both the city's movements and the false teachings going around. Now perhaps some of you may be wondering It may have crossed your minds how spiritually immature the believers in Ephesus must have been that they couldn't even resist the influence of worshiping this fake goddess of Artemis. To us today, that seems like such an outdated idea. If we were in their shoes, we wouldn't be affected at all. But here's some context to help you understand what those people were living in back then. The worship of Artemis, for example, was the main religious focus of that city's culture, so much that a good portion of the city's economy was dependent on it. We see in Acts chapter 19 that the silversmiths, the craftsmen, and other workmen and similar trades, they made a living off of building these silver shrines and articles of worship for Artemis. And these people band together And they almost got the city to ride against Paul because he was converting too many people to Christianity. And he was making them lose their business. That goes to show you how prevalent and common the worship of Artemis, that Greek goddess, was in the society. Now compare that to the prevalence of our city's agenda today. Of what we talked about last week of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Doesn't that seem to influence almost every part of your life today? And in that regard, what kind of community are we? 
Are we a kind of community that's easily influenced and conforms to the culture? Do you perhaps feel like you are being tossed around helplessly from one of these movements to the next, and you're having trouble trying to keep up and stay relevant? For myself, before working at Grace, I used to work uh, for a little bit of time at an Apple retail store. And the people I worked with, they were really, really great. Everyone was so nice and so welcoming. And that was probably because the culture of that work environment was all about diversity and inclusion. But as I kept working there, I started to notice how this agenda of inclusivity kept being pushed onto me more and more. Yet it never seemed to have much space for me to express my own Christian faith. And maybe you can relate as well at your workplace, especially with this past month where we have celebrated pride. Perhaps at home, as you're watching a show and you notice that certain themes are now always included to almost pass this criteria of being woke enough. Maybe with your friends, worrying about not being up to date with the latest movements in case you might be labeled as an opponent and not as an advocate because there just doesn't seem to be a middle ground anymore. As Christians, we are commanded by God to love God and to love others. That means we have a Genesis 1 duty to contribute to the flourishing of our city and its culture in a way that is pleasing and honoring to our holy God. And so when we are to think of the mistreated communities like the aboriginal communities, the racism and the discrimination that is going on in our city, the silencing of those who may have been abused, the poor and the broken, we are to love those who have been neglected. We are to advocate those for those who are marginalized. We are to protect those who are vulnerable. Because every human being has the dignity and worth as image bearers of God. But when such cultural trends and movements become the primary focus of the church, that's when it can start to become a problem. Now hear me out as I explain why. When the primary focus of the body is no longer to mature into its head, which is Christ, but becomes catching on to the newest wind of cultural doctrines and teachings, we end up becoming a community of people who's constantly being pulled in every different direction, who quickly conform to the most relevant cultural need and demand. We become a community that is no longer united by the faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ, but rather united by the common cause of man. We stop growing into Christ, and this is when we remain spiritually immature as children. If we as a community of believers aren't first rooted in our most important and primary pursuit for Christ, then we won't be able to attain to the fullest potential of living up to the calling to be that beautiful community 
the body of Christ that radiates his mercy and radiates his love in this broken world. And so implications for us. For Christians, do a heart check and ask yourself if you are spiritually growing and maturing. And here are some markers. Are you taking in the truth of God's word on a regular basis? Are you carving out non-negotiable time and the busyness of your schedules to commune with the triune God and dwell in his love? Or are you letting every wind and wave of cultural doctrine determine where your faith stands? A friend of mine once mentioned the importance of having a healthy diet, of taking in God's word whenever he felt overwhelmed by the information being thrown at him from the world. And so do you have a healthy diet that balances the truth with what you are also taking in from our culture? Now for those who are exploring the faith, consider that there is a kind of community that is able to remain steadfast, that is able to remain rooted in truth and love, that doesn't change despite our tumultuous culture, a kind of people, a kind of community that has the potential and the capacity to love and to love deeply and profoundly. Wouldn't you want to be part of that kind of community? A kind of community that is growing in truth and a community that is growing in love. And that brings us to our second point, a community that conforms to Christ. Now, Paul makes a very sharp distinction from the first kind of community when he says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Christ. This is a kind of community that does two things. It speaks in truth and it grows in love. So let's look at what those two things are. Firstly, to speak in truth. This means to confess the gospel message in light of all of our culture's waves. To be firmly grounded on the gospel alone as the primary focus of the church. Which means the gospel is to become the main language spoken in our community, in the way that we treat each other, in the way that we view each other, in the way that we value one another. Because there is no greater message than the gospel. For as Romans 1 says, it is the gospel which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Because the gospel addresses humanity's deepest need to be known and to be loved. Not by conditional human beings who look for resumes. No, but by a God of grace who freely chooses to love us in Christ, even when we had done absolutely nothing to deserve it or earn it. In fact, the only thing that we did do to deserve or earn anything from this holy God because of our sins was his wrath and punishment. Yet Christ steps into our broken world, into our broken lives, to live that perfect and obedient life that we could never live 
all to be nailed to a cross. The innocent one, tried and condemned by men, taking on the full wrath of God for the sins of you and I, so that the full love of God could be lavished onto us. Lavished onto us. Cleansing and making us beautiful and loved by the blood of Christ. And to all who believe in Christ, you are now united with Christ in his death to sin and in his resurrection to new life by the power of his spirit. A life where you and I are able to live it to the full, being known and loved by the triune God himself. This is the truth of the gospel. This is, at its core, a message of grace. And it is the most relevant message that our city needs to hear today. But it has to first take root in our own community, in the body of Christ, before we can witness the beauty and grace of Jesus Christ to our neighbors in this, in this city. Implications. Speaking the truth entails some kind of communication that takes place between different members of the body. To do this, it helps to have some kind of common ground to get the conversation going. Let's say you're invited to a social event. Now, if you're an introvert like me, you'll find it tough to fit in until you find some kind of common ground with someone else, whether that be talking about the crazy trades that are going on in the NBA right now, some of the recent movies that you've watched, stocks for those niche people. <laughs> As you get more comfortable, you may stick with that one person for the rest of the party. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> but if you're an extrovert like my wife, <laughs> you may already have the most optimal technique <laughs> to quickly identify common grounds with everyone you meet so that you can meet everybody in the room. And then your extrovert side really kicks it into high gear as you begin connecting other strangers in that room with each other based on their common grounds. Well, here at Grace, here at our church, in our community, we all have the same common ground. We all have the same common ground of Jesus Christ. For most, it may be the grace you received in Christ when you first came to believe. For others, it may be the grace that you're still discovering in your faith journey. Regardless, the one thing that all of us have in common is Christ. So after service ends, I encourage you to do something, something you may have never done before. Okay, hear me out. Go talk to someone you don't know. You've done this during greeting time. Okay, maybe you didn't even do it at greeting time. You have the opportunity to do it after service. Go talk to someone you don't know. Introduce yourself. And then ask them, about their journey to Christ and start your conversation that way. I know, it's, it's a totally wild way to start a conversation. <laughs> it seems awkward, 
But the point is, is that at the very essence of what brings us together as a community is nothing other than the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, as a community, are to put in this intentional effort to make that gospel message the primary language in our own community, which will help us to stay grounded in truth in our ever-changing culture. A community that conforms to Christ is one that speaks in truth. And secondly, a community that conforms to Christ is one that grows in love. Love in this, in our text, is this agape love, which is the idea of seeking the benefit of the undeserving, even at your own expense. It is to put the interest of others before your own. It is in this kind of love that we are called to build one another up. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. In a community of love, there is patience, there is gentleness in the way that you treat each other. There is generosity in your time and your resources that you share with each other. There is humility as you don't insist on having things done your own way. There is forgiveness as you let go or learn to slowly let go of bitterness and resentment from the hurts that you've received. There is mutual delight and joy through the love that you share with one another. Of the many uh, different short-term missions trips that I've been on, there has been one common theme that I've personally always been struck by, and it is the loving hospitality from the hosting community. Although many of these families wouldn't have much to live on, they would set aside the very best of their resources to prepare meals for us. And they would also invite others from the neighborhood to come out and to join in on this festivity together. Now they did this with such eagerness as they put our team's needs first, always looking for ways to help us to feel welcomed and loved. Because for them, it was such a privilege and it was such a joy to be able to fellowship with other believers from across the world who were in the same body of Christ. And their love for us was so contagious over the fellowship that we had at that dinner table. It was just full of joy and full of love and good food. Now, what would it look like if this were the kind of approach that we had in gathering together on a weekly basis as we look forward to the worship, as we look forward to the fellowship and the mutual joy that we get to share with each other here in our family at Grace? Now, it's true. 
You may be thinking, family relationships, they get messy, and that is true. Family relationships get messy. And being a church family is no exception either. Now here's one example of how we can go about with that. Perhaps in the differences that some of us may have in our theological views, whether it has to do with the values and principles of our uh, denomination as a church or our views on some of the cultural movements that demand affirmation. Regarding such things, how are we to have conversations that are coded in love? Well, here are two ways not to do it. The first is this, by being too eager to debate or fight in order to defend God's truth at all costs, that such people may seem to almost enjoy these kinds of battles. They may even seem to seek out these kinds of battles to prove themselves right. But they are lacking in love. Another way may be those of us who may be a little too eager to maintain peaceful relations in the name of love, even at the cost of compromising certain truths of Scripture. And so such people may be a little too quick to support, but they may be lacking in truth. John Stott, who is a preacher, author, and theologian, comments, truth in a community, truth becomes hard if it isn't softened by love. And love becomes soft if it isn't strengthened by truth. Let me say that one more time. Truth becomes hard if it isn't softened by love. And love becomes soft if it isn't strengthened by truth. There needs to be a healthy balance of both. So then, a healthier approach to such conversations is to land somewhere in the middle. And we do this by asking the Spirit for wisdom and guidance to help build one another up in love. This can be done by a gracious reminder of truth or by a steadfast partnership of love as you journey through difficult topics together. Whatever the case may be, we as a community are to lean on the power of the Spirit to help us to love one another. For the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, as John 14 says, and his first fruit is love, Galatians 5. It is in this kind of love that the body is to grow up in every way to become like its head, who is Christ, so that we can proclaim his glory, radiate his beauty, and spread his love in our cold and broken world. So Grace Toronto, as members of the body of Christ, we have the most excellent calling and purpose in life. It is to witness the fullness of Christ, the fullness of his glory, his beauty, and his love in our own community and in our city. And this fullness is really true excuse me, truly manifested when each part of the body works together in unity and harmony to build itself up. A, healthy illustra uh, a helpful illustration of this is an orchestra. I, re I remember my first ex experience auditioning and being part of an orchestra way back when I used to play the violin. Now, there were a lot of seats set up on the stage when I came for the first rehearsal. 
tons of different sections. There's a string section, uh, the woodwind, the brass, the per- and the percussion was always at the back for some reason. They were always at the back. And within each of these sections, there were the strings, the cellos, uh, for the, uh, the violins and the cellos, uh, the oboes, clarinets, trumpets, um, and then the drums at the back. And, and the thing was, each musician in each of the sections had their own part to play. I remember when I received my sheet music, I looked at it, and it just had a bunch of random pauses and clumps of notes that sounded incomplete by itself. But as each section of the orchestra continued to practice and hone their pieces, the final product on the night of the concert was surreal. We actually sounded pretty good for a bunch of high schoolers playing these pieces together. When all the parts of the orchestra worked properly together in harmony and unity, the end result was a performance that was beautiful and moving. And the way the body of Christ works together is in unity and harmony through the gifts that God has given the church by his spirit. That means it is made possible through the power of God to do this. And these unique gifts are used to build and beautify his body. Gifts such as hospitality, by taking someone out for lunch or joining for lunch, as Ryan just talked about in his announcements. You can do this today. To welcome people and plug, help plug them into our community. The gift of service by helping to serve on the various teams that we have, whether it be greeting, leading on the worship team, teaching our children, helping to prepare coffee. The gift of generosity by offering your time and your resources to help with the practical needs of the body. Or the gift of mercy by extending a helping hand of compassion and walking alongside members of the body who may be in need. Now here's the most beautiful thing about all of this. These things that I just mentioned are things that we are already doing as a community. We're working together in harmony and unity to make the love of Christ known in our worship and our fellowship. This is reason for us to be thankful. This is reason for us to be encouraged because it shows that we are on the right track in growing and maturing into Christ. But let us not get comfortable and just remain status quo as we currently are. For then, there could be the danger that our initial first love may begin to grow stale. Rather, let us continue to actively look for ways to deepen, even in our conviction, even more in our conviction of the gospel message of grace, in our fellowship with one another in love, and in our service to one another, by working together through the gifts that God has given us and empowered us by the Spirit. So that, as Paul says in our text today, so that we may no longer be children, but grow up in every way to attain to the fullness of the beauty and the love of Jesus Christ in our community and in our city. Let us pray.
Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves us deeply. And you do this through your son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose again and has now empowered us by his spirit to be able to grow up together, united in harmony as a body of Christ, to grow up more and more to become like Christ. Help us to do this as we grow in truth and love. And as we do this, may we be the beauty and the sweetness of Christ to those in our community and to those in our city. This is our prayer, and in Jesus' name we pray in. Amen. I think we have some time for some Q&A, so I'll invite Brian to come on up and, uh, yeah, help ask some of the questions. So we have a couple questions. Um, There's actually two questions that are kind of on roughly the same thing, so I'll try to bridge them together. Um, Essentially, um, understanding uh, DEI as a a positive thing. So how should we as Christians be responding uh, to today's culture focused on DEI? Uh, Isn't DEI a, a positive thing? Yes, DEI, um, I think there, there, DEI is a big umbrella, so there's a lot of stuff in it, but there are definitely positive um, movements in the DEI that we as a Christian community should support, um, and that goes back to um, our responsibility as Christians, as Christ followers, to love God and then to love others, um, and in loving others entails Uh, Loving those who are hurting, loving those who are marginalized in need. When we look at the New Testament, uh, Jesus in his ministry was all about uh, reaching out to the poor, the broken, the marginalized, and and just welcoming them into the kingdom of God. And that is a good example for us to also follow. So yes, there are um, definitely movements that uh, we are to support and we can support. But at the same time, as a church, the main focus of, our, of what brings us together, as good as certain movements and, you know, um, uh, yeah, certain movements are and causes are, we are to never forget the primary reason for coming together is the gospel message of Christ. It is Christ that brings us together, and from the love of Christ, we now um, go out into our city and engage. Cool. Uh, one more question. Uh, one of the biggest issues we face as Christians is when the values and view of the culture we live in are uh, at times uh, opposite to ours. Uh, so in the spirit of love, should we stay quiet on these issues and emphasize on the values that we share, or is there a time where we need to stand up for our beliefs and values? That's a great question, um, both in the work setting um, and just in the everyday setting. I do want to start off by saying we do this prayerfully. Lots of prayer is needed. Lots of wisdom is needed. I do also want to uh, mention Jeremiah chapter 29. That was a letter that was written to the exiles in Babylon. And this is what God told them, to build homes and to live in them, to plant gardens, eat their produce, and seek the welfare of the city and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Meaning, the culture that they were living in back then um, wasn't a culture that wasn't hard to live in. There were a lot of ways in which their faith was being challenged, and yet they were still called to be in that and to seek the welfare of the city. As Christians today, we are to seek the welfare of our city 
here in Toronto. And, there, and what that looks like is that first of all, we are to also use our conscience as a good indicator. The Lord has given us a, a conscience to be able to discern when something doesn't feel right. When there's that, that little bit of a, a tug at the heart. That's a good indicator that maybe you should bring that up in prayer and ask God, what does this mean? Where should I stand? We are to always season our conversations and season our actions with love, but at the same time, there comes a point where the truth of the gospel cannot be compromised. And when that comes, then we have to stand and say, this is where I stand. I cannot, whatever way it looks like, I, I unfortunately, as a Christ follower, I I don't support um, the cause, but that doesn't mean you can't have a relationship with those individuals where you invite them over for dinner, where you converse with them and just continue to walk with them. It doesn't mean you just cut every, everybody off and say, this is where I'm going to live. You're going to be a very lonely person in Toronto if you do that. But we are called to navigate uh, with love. So that is a great question. If you want to continue to engage with that, I'd love to uh, talk with you in person or over email, email me at stephen at gracetoronto.ca and we can continue our conversation. Uh, with that said, why don't I uh, close this time with a word of prayer and uh, invite the worship team to come on up. Let us pray. Lord, we live in a city, in a culture that has many challenges, but yet you have called us as Christ followers that in the midst of such challenges and cultural waves, we are to stay rooted in the gospel message of Christ. And we pray that by the power of your spirit, you may help us to discern how to be a loving neighbor, how to be a loving neighbor to those uh, around us. And by doing so, may we be able to witness the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, through our words, actions, and just the relationships that we have. Help us to do this as a church and as individuals in the city. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you please rise for our song of response?